Great, thanks, Sarah. Um, look, today it's really uh, comparing the ISO um, international standard and the Australian model code of practice, um, noting that there's um, a couple of different codes of practice out there in each jurisdiction, um, and there's also some new regulatory requirements that are uh, either commenced or are about to kickstart in, in different states. So. Along with comparing those documents, we'll also touch on um, the identification of psychosocial hazards as well, with the understanding that um, there'll be three more um, supporting webinars that will go through uh, the implementation of how to manage psychosocial risk. Um, so moving right along, um, just a, a quick thing about our, our organisation, FIFO Consulting. Um, we've got uh, consultants in most capital cities across Australia, um, working across Australia and New Zealand predominantly. We've also got a registered psychologist, given the topic today, Marina. And so Marina chimes in and helps us interpret results and facilitates many of our workshops. Um, it's also worth mentioning that um, our health and safety index tool um, through demand, we've also developed some psychosocial uh, DX surveys too, which we can talk about a little bit later today uh, if we've got time. We're going to start, Sarah, with a, a quick poll, um, if that's okay. So what we're trying to get is some feedback from everybody on the line. And really, we're looking to understand, um, select one or more options below um, that your organisation has adopted effectively to manage psychosocial risk. So if you can select one or more, but really your management systems um, and aligning those processes to 45,003, um, any sort of active or tactical uh, risk management processes you've got in place, climate surveys, um, incident management, or informal basic ad hoc approach. Um, so while that's sort of happening, I think um, important to note a couple of things as we've planned for this session today is, um, I guess the spelling of psychosocial risk, we could have um, put that in as, a, as a, a question as well is, can everybody spell it? Cause I know we found it quite tricky how many times we've had to spell it there. Um, but I think important to note as we're sort of capturing that feedback is, um, I read something recently and it was actually psychosocial risk isn't actually about trying to fix people's problems um, at work, but actually supporting their needs whilst they're at work and making work a protective control rather than a, um, and a supportive factor rather than a risk to that person. And I think with that in mind, it kind of sets the tone of the why um, we're here today and we're going to talk about some of the tools that can help that along the way. Um, so poll results. So um, as you've been talking there, Beck, there's a couple of chats going through just mentioning that uh, we can only select one today. So I guess for those people in the call, um, perhaps select um, the, the most, um, I guess, um, uh, primary um, option that you, you've been implementing with your organisation to date. Okay. Uh, yes, Mark, I think that was my problem with setting up the poll incorrectly. So yeah, I just said they could probably put that some of the options in the chat as well if they if they wanted to. Yeah, great. I guess with that in mind too, we'll um we'll grab the results. But if there are any questions, please feel free to put in the QA or the chat and we'll monitor it throughout the next um 30 odd minutes. So that's interesting feedback, Mark. Um, when we sort of talked about this poll, we were looking I had my money on the uh, informal basic ad hoc approach um, because I think a lot of businesses I'm seeing, are, it's just um, not quite sure how to attack it. Um, it's not like a traditional 45,001 management system. So, um, and risk management, doing risk assessments. Are you seeing anything there, Mark? 
that's out of the ordinary. I actually suspected the uh, the ISO standards um, the approach around integrating into existing systems to be a little bit higher. Um, okay. But that's okay. I, I guess we can talk through those different options today with the understanding that there's no one right way. Um, there's lots of options, of course, of how to do it. Okay. So let me move right along then. So I guess, um, as mentioned, this is a four-part series. We're, we're focusing on psychosocial factors today. Um, and Beck was making fun of me um, as we're practicing the webinar that I've actually um, arranged the webinars in reverse order um, with the understanding that the, the, the other webinars will be focusing on change management, um, opening up conversations, um, and lastly, just looking at different roles of health and safety versus uh, HR. Often there's a bit of confusion around who owns what. So um, Beck and Joanna both work together actually in their respective roles across HR and safety. So that should be a really interesting webinar as well. I think it's important to note as um, Mark, you're going to the next slide, is that um, going through the process and actually engaging specialists along the way is really key, as this is sort of an emerging area that safety professionals are now having to um, as to manage. So that's why it's in, we've got some partners that we're partnering with throughout the series. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Beck. So I guess moving on then to today with the focus on psychosocial risk and comparing some of the, the publications that are out there, um, Often uh, we're asked where to start. Um, so in terms of understanding psychosocial risk, I think it's worth um, understanding where you are today versus where you want to be. Um, but also there is a big difference between understanding strategic risk um, around broader organisational factors and how that ties into longer term strategy and also the here and now around more tactical operational risk as well. Um, Beck, is, um, from your experience, uh, have you seen much difference between these two types of, of risk? I think there's a, there's a balance when you get to um, these two areas, strategic risk being the long term, based on data, based on trends, aligned with the business cycle and the operational needs of where you're going and overlaying that psychosocial um, plan or uh, your health and wellbeing plan, whatever that strategic direction looks like. So actually operational risk, and I, and I dare say a lot of the feedback in the poll was aligned with this, is actually understanding what the event is that you that may happen in your workplace, then working back, what are we gonna to do to prevent that from happening? Um, and then looking at what you're gonna to do to respond if that event um, does occur. So very tactical um, approach versus um, that strategic long-term. I think there's a balance at the moment of people finding this, how to actually, um, nut through that operational risk assessment and what value you get out of that versus where are you going strategically in this space. Yeah, yeah good point. And I guess today we'll focus a little bit more on the strategic approach um, and yep. some considerations and how that might tie back into the, the ISO standards and, and model code. So with that in mind, given that the topic of today, um, I, I guess broadly speaking, looking at those two documents, the ISO standard being an international standard versus an Australian-based standard, apart from its uh, geographical focus, is the ISO standard and generally is considered to be a little bit more technical, um, and it's structured in a way to align with the ISO standard for 45,001 around management systems. Um, the, the, the topics, the, the, the psychosocial hazards um, and, and various factors are very similar to the model code of practice. I guess the model code of practice is a, a bit more of a practical document and focuses and is structured more around those risk management principles around identifying hazards, um, assessing them and controlling them, et cetera. So 
Um, depending on uh, what you're trying to achieve, of course, you can use either or. Um, and today, apart from looking at the structure, we'll sort of delve into a little bit more around, I guess, some of the content too on how they, how they might differ too. So if we go that next layer down, um, what we've got here, apart from comparing those two documents, is the job demands, job resource, worker outcome model. Now, now that model is, is not something that we've dreamt up. It's based on a, a bunch of research and, and typical principles around if there's a mismatch between job demands and resources, well, there's um, often a, a, a positive or negative impact on, on workers. So if we just take um, the worker outcomes, just as an example, um, the ISO standard has a much greater focus on uh, job satisfaction, employee engagement and productivity. Um, so if you think, depending on how your job resources and, and um, demands are, uh, are being managed, that has some sort of impact um, on workers, productivity, engagement, et cetera, generally. Um, and also it focuses a little bit more on uh, poor behaviours such as the substance misuse. Um, um, conversely, um, apart from the way it's structured and, and the, the general practical approach of the code of practice, it focuses a little bit more on burnout. Um, so the principles are largely the same. Um, some of the content is somewhat different. Um, so um, we do have a downloadable that we'll share towards the end of the session today uh, with a complete list of psychosocial factors. Um, there's just some examples um, in each of the codes. We've got a couple of questions, but I think, um, Sarah, is the chat enabled? And one of the questions is about the people at work survey, Mark. So we might just keep that one for the back end because I know we've had some experience in utilising that as a tool. Um, so certainly I think the answer is yes, it is a tool to help inform um, where you're at as a business. Yeah, 100%. Yep. So um, we'll talk about uh, a little bit about the um, hazard identification process in a moment, um, survey being a really good option to do that. Alrighty. So with, with that in mind, we'll, we'll kick on. So um, noting that we've got these publications out here that have got a list of various hazards, um, some got a greater focus than others. Um, now, what do you actually do with that? Beck, um, uh, quite clearly differentiated between strategic and, and, and operational risk focusing on particular events. Um, if we look more broadly, um, one approach is to look at a range of different factors, take into consideration um, where your organization's at. So, um, be it uh, reviewing data, um, reviewing systems, engaging your workforce to, to better understand how they're thinking and feeling um, is obviously a, a great way to identify some of these hazards. Um, it's fair to say that um, psychosocial risk is generally invisible. So to, to really understand psychosocial risk, you need to ask feedback from your, from your workforce. Um, and as mentioned, different survey tools are a great way to do that. Um, certainly not the only way, but um, one, one great way to get feedback at scale. I think when you're identifying, Mark, um, the psychosocial um, hazards as your business, one of the things that's important to do is actually understand where you're at as a business as well. So there'd be, you know, and those, I guess, job demands that then come through on your um, onto your people, but being realistic about where your business is at. Um, because there's a balance of actually um, going, I guess, 
full assessment, full strategic planning versus actually just getting out and talking to your people to understand um, what, I guess, what your workforce is, is um, I guess, is feeling and, is, um, and, and what's actually happening. Yeah, I mean, some simple things are just having that as, a, as an agenda item as part of your committee or consultation mm. arrangement just as a starting point. Um, I also think it's fair to say that this is a qualitative uh, risk assessment usually, um, so it's, it is quite difficult to quantify. So, you know, some people try and tie themselves into not to, to try and measure and quantify everything. Um, really, the engagement with the workforce is absolutely critical to, to really understand that. So. Um, yeah, understanding not only the people, but the data processes, plan and workplace environment and other things that uh, impact on those job demands and resources. So uh, with that in mind, um, you know, um, assuming that there's some method of identifying the hazard, either through survey or some sort of um, engagement with your workforce um, and having some sort of, uh, I guess, typical list of um, those factors to, as a guide. Um, understanding those risks um, either through the, the potential impact, uh, the, the likelihood or exposures um, is often really important. Um, and depending on how deep you want to take that, um, particularly with survey, it's a great way to really unpack, well, where are those um, psychosocial um, hazards, um, what are the risks across different age groups, genders, positions, etc., or various demographics um, within your particular organisation, which hopefully will then inform some sort of strategic choice and resource allocation to, to manage those risks. Um, you'll see down the bottom there is a bit of a continuum there of health from responding where people might be struggling or exposed to trauma, uh, prevention through to promotion and thriving. So. Now, depending on the hazards and depending on some of those strategic choices, you can start to focus your time and resources in different areas um, across your business. Okay. So um, just in response to the question um, around the People at Work survey, the People at Work survey, for those that don't know, um, um, is uh, a survey that's um, supported by some of the regulatory um, bodies out there. Um, we've also developed um, a survey which isn't quite as long um, as the People at Work survey. I think that's about 100 questions, depending on how you apply it. Um, we've got um, some other tools as well. Um, the Health and Safety Index, uh, which covers both health and safety, Wellbeing DX, and more specifically, um, the Psychosocial DX, which is focused purely on psychosocial factors um, and in doing that um, we we use that data to help organizations get feedback and scale and identify some of those hazards Beck, i know you've had a bit of um, experience around using this survey both uh, with us um, as a consultant but also in your, your previous um, organization is there anything else that you wanted to add I think probably, I mean, the, the health and safety index for those that are, have joined has been around for a, a number of years and as that's built out, um, maybe just describing the differences between the two DX tools that have, we've recently uh, developed and some examples of what you might capture from the independent psychosocial DX. Yeah, good point. So uh, the wellbeing DX um, is focused on typical health sources such as physical health, mental health, social and cognitive health, a lot of which are mentioned in the ISO standard. Um, 
Whereas the psychosocial DX is focused purely on psychosocial factors, so a little bit more specific. Um, and what we've done is structured the survey and the inputs to be very similar to those hazards that we've spoken about already around job demands, job resources, um, and aligned it with the, the ISO standard 45003. So people can get a bit of a, an understanding of where they're at and use that in conjunction with other ways to identify hazards as well. I think I'll probably just call out, Mark, on each of the slides, you can see the top left of, of this one, um, it really is a, like a little model to be able to capture your assessment. Um, and this forms the middle part, which is the survey analysis, which um, giving data obviously um, helps and inform um, your strategy and, and invest your, your funds and your focus in the right areas that are going to give the greatest impact to your people. Um, so this is the sort of middle one. So if you read through, it goes data review, systems review, survey analysis, um, and then going into focus groups um, and then you know, implement your program and monitoring some of the improvements that you, um, you're dedicating resources to. Yeah, great. And I think as we go through the other webinars in the coming weeks um, with some of our partners, I'll talk a little bit more around the execution. Yeah. Um, different, I guess, human-centered approaches to, to this. I mean, this is very data and systems focused today. Um, gotcha for life and Levant will talk a little bit more around how to engage your people um, around the implementation. Uh, Mark, so we've just got a question. The psychosocial DX, is that similar to the psychosocial safety climate measure? I'm actually not overly familiar with the psychosocial um, um, measure that you just referred to. Um, but um, if you want to put something in the chat, more than happy to, to have a look at that too. So I guess um, today is pretty short. It's a 30 minute uh, micro session. And um, so um, really um, being short and sharp, um, we also like to share a bit of information where people can go away and do a bit more research themselves. Um, referred a lot to the ISO standard already. So, you know, this pack will be shared. There'll be a link there where you can get access to that. Um, it's also worth mentioning that the World Health Organization has recently, um, as last month, um, launched a new guideline for mental health at work. Um, so additional resources for those that haven't seen it um, and the model code of practice as we referred to as well um, also recently launched um, and each of the jurisdictions also have codes of practice and regs either um, published already or um, in the pipeline to, to be released. I'll also just put into the, oh, we've, we've gone to the next slide, Mark, but I was going to say I'll pop into the chat, actually, the downloadable, which um, from the site, our website that talks about just the differences. And it's actually uh, for safety professionals, um, it's a really good call out of each of the psychosocial factors between the ISO 45003, which we've sort of talked about at a high level today, versus, um, I guess, the practical guidance in the code of practice. I've certainly found it um, to be when you have a, a read of it far more practical in terms of how do I actually now manage this risk um, and as a safety professional pretty well aligned with a lot, of, a lot of the other code of practices and the approaches that you take in any other safety hazard. Yeah look depending on um, the level of detail you want to go to in the organisation you might just want to keep your, your risk registers or methods of um, you know, evaluating risk at job demands and job resources etc. Um, but that downloadable actually goes down and categorises some of those hazards too. So you might, um, um, from a, um, um, a setup from your safety software, as an example, uh, you might want to start getting some of your metadata to better break down some of those psychosocial hazards as well. So you can 
uh, better understand the risk and report on those um, as well. Um, earlier on, we also mentioned um, our registered psychologist who worked with us, Marina. Um, Marina's going to be delivering some mental health awareness training, a public course coming up. Um, so we're partnered with the Institute of Quarrying Australia um, to deliver some of that training and other training also on the pipeline, uh, both the back end of this year and next. Um, and there's also reference to the Health and Safety Index too there as well. So we have allowed a little bit of time to go through some questions. So there's been a couple of chats already, but yeah, open to any other questions that people might have around some of the things that we've spoken about today or anything else that might be related to the topic. So um, one of the participants who put in the um, question around the psychosocial safety climate measure. Um, I'm not sure if that's a specific title to a survey, um, but I guess um, the psychosocial DX by default is a type of climate survey, if that helps. Um, Mark mentioned reliability. What does this mean? So good question. So um, I guess regardless of whatever survey tool you use and um, the principles around good survey design um, so you do have a solid benchmark is ensuring that the survey is both statistically reliable and valid um, and that's really important because i mean anyone can develop a survey but um, to actually come up with something that you can compare on with the right levels of confidence intervals um, across a, a given population size is critical to be able to make sure that uh, the information that comes out of it is meaningful and can be benchmarked, you know, not only internally, um, but externally across other organisations and industries as well. So Mark, we've got another question, um, knowing that we've got about six minutes to go. Um, how does one build in-house competencies to put together a strategy to tackle psychosocial risks? Um, I guess, I don't know, my, my initial view on that question would be, um, start with a top-down approach. You've got to understand from the top where you're going with it, with managing this risk, get their buy-in. Um, I'd start with reading, the, having a, um, a read of the code of practice to give you some guidance about actually where to start, but talking to your people and getting some feedback on, on actually what you're trying to address um, and start really basically with um, updating your risk register to identify your psychosocial risks um, and managing those. Do you want to add anything to that, Mark? Yeah, look, I also think that often people revert to um, training as a solution straight away, um, a bit like an incident investigation. I mean, it's really important to understand what your focus areas are first. So, um, you know, often awareness and knowledge is not the gap. Um, it could be other organisational factors like job conflict or job design, uh, different job demands and resources that are impacting on psychosocial risk or, or, or mental health. So. Um, certainly training and awareness is uh, important uh, and competence is important, but it's certainly not the only thing to, to focus on. Sarah, for some reason I'm unable to share, the, I've shared the link, but it's only with you and Mark, which is not helpful for anybody else. Um, but it doesn't look like I've got approval to share outside of with um, the participants. Right. <laughs> yeah, I've shared it with everyone. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure why that is, but I think there's um, something wrong with all the permissions today in this webinar. 
That's okay. The last, um, the question we've got a couple of minutes, we've got five minutes left, which is do any of these resources have a risk assessment tool specifically for this? Um, at the back of the code of practice, there's a fair bit of guidelines on there about what potential um, hazards there are and um, potential strategies then to look at managing them, which is probably a, a very good start. Anything else to add to that, Mark? No, I think it's a really good point um, with the understanding that um, try and leverage your existing risk management framework. So, you know, the understanding that there are different um, parameters of um, risk that people manage either through risk register or other more specific operational risk tools is just try and use um, some of those tools you have already um, and integrate psychosocial factors into those both um, proactively and, and reactively as well. I think one of the um, conversations I'll just repeat that we had this week, Mark, is that you were with a client and they said we need a psychosocial policy. We need a we need a policy to to deal with this now because it's a it's an emerging risk. There's le legislation that's changing in around it, so we need a policy. Um, and I know your feedback immediately was actually, how about you just update your risk register and start with identifying um, what that means for your business rather than another piece of paper to address something. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, my question was, um, what, what's the, the, the purpose of the policy and what do you want to try and get out of it? Um, and have you actually engaged the workforce yet? So um, they've, they've skipped procedures and policy and all those sort of um, procedural um, solutions and skipped straight to um, engaging their workforce and updating risk registers. Um, can you see that? So when a psychosocial risk assessment is done, workers feel have no confidence in answering honestly. Um, even though there's been mention of burnout and work demands, how does the company go about addressing this or what should the next step be? Um, I can jump in there, Beck, if that helps. I mean, certainly having a, a, a third party administer a survey is one way to do that and to give people confidence that it's confidential. Um, with the upcoming uh, webinars, Gotcha for Life will be talking a lot around psychological safety and getting people to open up and feel vulnerable. So I think, um, I mean, apart from having third parties involved, by you know gauging trust and building trust within your organisation and helping them feel psychologically safe, often that's a, a really good first step before you engage in a, in a bunch of activity. Otherwise, people sit there with their arms crossed and don't want to engage. Okay, any other last questions? I think we've done pretty well on time, we've got two minutes. So I guess we've got a bit of time. We do have some backup slides, Beck. I'll just refer to the psychosocial DX at the back so people can get a bit of an understanding of some of the things that um, are measured. So um, this is just the dashboard. Um, we've also got a bunch of information that sits behind this to help organisations unpack that for their organisation um, across their specific demographics, but you can see there we've got an overall index uh, metric it's broken down to various dimensions, um, which uh, are largely built on psychosocial factors. Um, the aspects down the left hand side are, are things like broader organisational factors, social factors, uh, the work environment and the actual activity that might be impacting both job demands and job resources. And then as we mentioned before, uh, the work outcomes, um, the output is, you know, based on those um, behaviours, practices, work environments and all those aspects we spoke about, what's the actual impact on workers and how they're feeling around job burnout, um, their levels of engagement, leaving tension, etc., uh, potential pain, 
um, often there's a, a relationship between um, injury and um, mental health as well. So that's just a, a quick snapshot um, for those people that might be interested. So right on time. Um, Becca, anything else you want to add, Sarah? Um, not at the moment. I just want to drop the link in here for the next webinar um, next week. And do that in a second. Uh, I guess there's some feedback in there. Just closing remark. Um, a great organisation sees uh, persons working in construction industry known to have issues with suicide and mostly men working together that may not potentially talk to each other as an organisation. Um, they're used all the time. Are we talking, I'm assuming, mates in construction, potentially? There's lots of resources out there that help open the conversation um, along the way. Okay. All right. Well, um, if anyone has any questions, they can always come by email as well um, to either me or to FIFO. And um, otherwise, we will see you next week. We do have a webinar tomorrow as well on um, writing better incident reports. So um, I'll just put that link in here too. Um, and just one other thing, the news now goes out on a Wednesday. Um, so there we go. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Mark. And thank you, everyone, for coming. It's great turnout today. Right. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Thanks, Bye. Bye.